great to see you. And uh, thank you for doing this. I think it's really important. This is part of a series of interviews, you know, that we're doing with predecessors, people who uh, who can pass on wisdom to the the, the newest generation, um, or people that are just generally interested in Narcotics Anonymous history. Um, I, th I think I, I heard you talking the other night about uh, Jimmy K, and I was really interested because you knew the man personally, didn't you? Yes, he was my grandfather. Okay. Do you, do you remember the first time you met Jimmy? I met him on the telephone in 1979, actually, okay? Call it, call the World Service Office up. And you were calling them up, why? Uh, well, we just started NA in our area, and we, we needed uh, literature to get off the ground, okay? And uh, Jimmy sent us a packet of literature. And, and was it some, so, so did you have any first impressions from that telephone conversation? Yeah, he was caring. He was compassionate. He, he wanted to know what was going on. And uh, he wanted me to keep updating them on our growth. So I, I always, for everything I hear about Jimmy, he was so newcomer focused. He was so invested in the growth of our fellowship. Um, can, you, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, well, Jimmy, Jimmy basically to me was a man who cared about us and had a lot of love, empathy, and uh, wanted to know how we're doing. And he wanted to help us with our growth. And uh, yeah, if you take notice, there's there's people who got letters directly from Jimmy uh, that he wrote letters to a lot of people around the world. Uh, Jimmy uh, constantly uh, was available. I mean, I called him up every every day uh, if i needed to call him up at one in the morning my time it might be 10 his time but we were staying on the phone for over three hours okay that's how much he cared he wanted to know what what i was struggling with what's going on with my life and how he could better help me okay so so when you said he was your uh, your grand sponsor we because we talked a little bit before about greg didn't didn't we is that is that the is that the, the family yeah, well, he he, uh, he actually sponsored Joseph Proctor from Memphis, Tennessee, who also found him on the telephone. Joseph uh, basically found a little white book because Jimmy put a little white book in every library. And uh, Joseph found, yes, but it was a little bit different than that one, okay? Uh, had the old uh, cross-like audit and stuff. And... Uh, Joseph found it in the library and he made a phone call and it was to Jimmy Kinnon. And Jimmy helped him get NA off the ground in Memphis, Tennessee. So it's it's kind of neat that through that experience, okay, that I got connected to Joseph, who I found, you know, I found uh calling World Service Office. I already had talked with Jimmy. And what's your feeling now, looking back, when you think about all these incredible addicts in recovery coming into your life at this certain times, and and how did that impact your your journey? Well, it's I believe in the beginning, okay, when I met men like Jimmy, I met men like Joseph, Greg, uh, God sent them to me because I had no other reason at that point of my life, okay. Uh, to believe that I could stay clean, all right, and change my life. Uh, 
I was in a room of newcomers. We had we didn't have clean time, and we had no one there to guide us. And and people were trying to send us to AA and saying that's where you get your recovery. Here's where you come to talk about drugs. We knew that it wasn't about the drugs. It was about the drugs. We could have made it in the other fellowship. We were not making it there. And uh, to meet men like Jimmy and share with us, it was God sent. And to meet Joseph was God sent. I needed these men in my life, okay? To give me direction, to give me guidance and to help me through the steps. So uh, when you look back on it uh, and you realize Things happen at periods of time where God sent people into your life. You just had to be open to receive them. See, I feel really fortunate now in, in recovery that I have this material available to me, a lot of material that you didn't have at that time. So there was a more of a reliance on a direction from, from individuals like Jimmy or, or Greg or Joseph well, it took them people to get me to the next NA function that there was, okay? And uh, it got me to the second East Coast where I actually met Greg and Joseph personally for the first time. And uh, it's where I actually, Joseph became my sponsor then uh, after that because uh, he handed me a great book. I was involved in the literature movement, but I was not, I didn't, I didn't meet the people yet that we're making it happen, you know? And uh, I think it's the open participatorial system that guided us and strengthened us in our recovery. Yeah, um, and, I, 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 and I think, so you, you, how long, how, what's your clean time? How long have you been in recovery when you meet these guys in person? For I met Joseph at a little over a year and a half, about a year and a half clean I had then when no, I met Joseph. By which time, what they've got the grave form? Yeah, I that was I met him in June of 1981 in person. I met Greg in June of 1981 at Trenton State uh, College uh, in in uh, New Jersey, where the Second East Coast Convention was held. So, so for those that don't know that are watching that don't know what the grave form is, can you can you give us an exact? Can you give us a a, a brief outline? Well, uh, the grave book is a pre-public draft of the basic text okay all right uh pre-publication pre-publication yeah, we, we call it the pre-publication draft okay uh, yeah but hold on a minute i'll show you the actual size of it okay i have one over here on my counter but it's a this is a this is the actual one i that a friend of mine found for me okay uh Hope you can hear this, but I'm brought, I'm coming over so you can see my, this is my gray book, okay? okay. All right. It was leather bound for me by Hank from Jacksonville, Florida then. He lived in Northern Florida. It, it, a great book with the stories. This actually has the stories in. The inside is the actual thickness of our, the gray book, okay? Yeah. This is the actual thickness of it. It feels it's a lot what, thicker. Yeah, well, it is. This is, uh, you know, this is the actual uh, duplicate of the book that I copied on my computer, printed it out, and sent it to my friend. And this uh, is what our basic text came from, this book here, okay? 
yeah. uh, which is an amazing book uh, because a lot of people are starting to be introduced to it. We have retyped it and we are putting it out uh, throughout the world, okay? Uh, and uh, it's a nice, it's, it's, it's a smaller version, but it's the first part, it's not the stories. It's the first 10 chapters so people can access it and read it and study as a historical document. Yeah. And there's pe groups that are actually studying this book, uh, but it's, it's a raw material mm. of addicts writing for addicts, the first known book mm. for addicts in recovery. Mm. And this is what we were handed uh, from the Methodist Literature Conference. They sent it out to every known group in the world, okay? Yeah. which was 600 groups at that point of time, yeah. received this book. Our home group received one. And uh, and our home group was involved in input and reviewing at that point of time. That's what I said. I was involved in the literature movement, but I didn't meet the people yet. So, so uh, there's a friend of mine who always talks about what he loves about this original form is that every line, I notice it's line numbered as well. Right. And I believe that was so groups could have input and what he talked right. about. That is was that for input and review, okay, in this yeah. book, yeah, which is amazing because uh, they had a little piece. You can see that this, this second page of it had a, uh, where they, for input and review, okay, that they sent out to the fellowship for the fellowship to be involved in it, okay. So, so and, every, uh, every line, every line is um, prayed over. Every line is group conscience. Yeah, group right. Conscience. You can see the the yeah. line numbers there, okay. Yeah. All right. So you go in that 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 front form there. You could duplicate it, fill it out. And then you could send your input review into the literature committee to be gone back over and, and uh, input and review it. It so, was open for all addicts. So I understand, um, I heard someone say there was 600 groups, about 10,000 addicts involved in that. Right. Yeah, original form, which is, which is yes. an incredible, it's an incredible achievement, but it's amazing to think this kind of content by committee or content by group conscience, which is such a was such a difficult thing to achieve. I, I think that's why many people feel it's almost like a sacred, magical. Well, it, it, it was magical because it's the first ever attempt at writing a full text by addicts for addicts, by the addicts putting it together. And we had no outside funding. World Service Office didn't have money to support this. This was supported by home groups and donation for addicts. Addicts selling their blood at the Second World Literature Conference, okay, in, in Lincoln, uh, where a guy named Jim Nichols got the biker friends of his together. They went to the blood bank, sold their blood to be able to have money to send the material out from that conference to pay for stamps, okay, envelopes and stuff. So everyone was informed of what was going on. I'd heard that some of the money that came from the blood was used for like typewriter ribbon and things like that. Yeah, for all that type of stuff. Typewriter, because everything was the old typewriters back then, okay? No. Uh, you got to realize that we didn't have technology that we have today. So, so where we've obviously gone and, and we're kind of jumping around a little bit and we will circle back around to, to what we're talking mm -hmm. about. But they, we've, right. we've had we've had lots of kind of 
editions come out and there's various controversies over different um, editions. Right. I don't know. Um, why, why, why is this grey book so important to you? Why is why why uh, do why do so many addicts still study this this form? Because when you read this form, it basically the words bounce off the pages because it's like sitting in a meeting. This book is written like sitting in a meeting, and uh, there's special lines in there that you heard from the older members share. They're no longer in our book but they're in here. Like in 1990, I start questioning my belief system. Where did I get this from? I'm not hearing it in NA no more. And I picked up my gray book. It was actually 1989. I picked up my gray book and we start studying it, a group of us, and we decided to start a meeting of studying historical documents. And this is the book we've been studying ever since. And when you watch the, the eyes of the newcomers, when they're reading this and when they share on it, it, it creates that excitement. Like when we wrote it, it actually creates that excitement again. I, I've got a friend who's actually line by line studying the original stories. Right. Um, and, and he talks about how it is, uh, the, the, the stories feel really hardcore, frontline, using addict stuff and, and maybe some right. of that. That some of that was maybe that some of that spirit was maybe lost in later editions. Is that right? Well, it, it it is lost in the later editions. Okay, uh, because back then we didn't get people coming. The people that came into NA came in off the streets back then. We didn't really get people uh, coming. You got to remember in California they they had big H and I efforts. They were getting them out of the prison system, so you had a lot more hardcore addicts. It's like when I walked through the doors, I was an outlaw biker and God brought me to NA. And I sat in there like, who the hell are these people? Okay. They don't know, you know, and just like, uh, and we had a lot of heroin addicts, okay, back then. Hardcore heroin addicts. I was not a heroin addict. I came from the from the biker world, which we used speed a lot, okay? We were methadrine freaks. Jack Daniels methadrine, okay, is what I did. And to sit there and listen to these, I wanted to get physically violent and stuff, but I listened to these people, I could hear their suffering. I could hear their 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 desperation. I understood the desperation. I understood that language of desperation. And that's what the what when we walked into NA, it was all about that desperation. We were at that last, you know, that last block, okay. We were there, and there was no other place for us except prisons, institutions, and death at that moment. We were at that last moment of death. We were the walking corpses, is the way we talk. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe we'll um, just quickly, Greg P., um, I heard, um, I think Greg was your sponsor at one yeah, point. He, he yeah, he became my sponsor, yes. So, so I, I heard someone describe, maybe it was Vito in the last interview. Yeah, it was, described Greg as almost like the first, I don't know if you used the word intellectual, but real thinking man, you know, the, had a really deep understanding of the, the program and, and, and what addicts needed well, to do. What Greg was, I mean, Jimmy was a thinking man, first of all, okay? Yeah, do not yeah. downplay, Jimmy was the first intellectual, oh, no. all right? Uh, Greg, yes, was an intellectual. 
uh, how Greg operated was he asked a lot of questions. He got you thinking. He got you participation that way is what Greg did. And, uh, and it was creative. He created creativity through his discussions with you. He led you into discussions to question what you were reading, what's going on in your life, and how do you gonna how are you gonna recover? Okay. He got you to look at it more in depth, is what Greg did for me. Mm -hmm. And so and 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 you do you know specifically what his kind of role was in the emergence of the, the basic text? Or I think he was just uh, Greg was heavily involved in the basic text. Uh when Bo Sewell went to California to the uh San Francisco to the World Convention, he met two men there. One was Jimmy Kinn and one was Greg. They were both on the board of trustees at that time. He wanted to know where our book was at. They inspired Bo to start writing it. They, they said, no one's writing it. You can start it. And Bo went back to Marietta, Georgia, okay? And he started writing. And then they appointed him as the World Literature Committee Chair. And then he started recruiting people to get involved in the basic text. He got the, the first World Lit Conference off the ground in Kansas. He established a literature committee in Marietta, Georgia. And that's right at Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, Marietta, part of that. And he created that literature committee, the first literature committee. And then uh, Kansas created a literature committee. And there's letters out there from Bo going back and forth with the literature committee in Kansas, and they were of the literature committee of the World Committee. Bo inspired that through Greg and Jimmy, you know, and uh, that got off the ground that way with the literature committee. And that's the first known uh, experience of a literature committee being established. So this is around, uh, so you got clean in 1979, right? November, is this around right. the same time as the, the basic text project is taking off? Yeah, well, he, uh, Bo started the literature committee in, in uh, 78, okay? By 79, he was in full fling with getting the letters out, getting people involved. And uh, by 80, they had the literature committee uh, the basically uh, the first literature committee conference in 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 Kansas, okay? The first world literature conference by 1980. He already established that then, and uh, he was seeking input. And he sent letters out to the whole the 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 whole world of Narcotics Anonymous. This is the book. Get get involved, okay? It was through his communication skills that this stuff started to happen. So I'm um, 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 I see your 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 great cap there, make the fellowship <laughs> again, which is like a, it's like a MAGA cap, isn't it? But um, well, it, it may look like one, but it's make the fellowship great again. Okay. <laughs> so in this, you know, we we've got obviously lots of newcomers coming in during the pandemic, which is incredible. I mean, I I think what's happened the advent of Zoom means that. Um, people who maybe relapse and used to disappear for years are coming back a lot quicker. And there's a, there's a maybe a higher level in, of engagement. This is just anecdotal. I don't have actual, uh, you know, social research on this, but it would seem that way. 
and and of course they're engaging with our basic text, our sixth edition. Now, obviously, you've made it abundantly clear that you are you you know you love our original literature. Right. Is there is there a world where where both can exist, or would you strongly advocate one over the other, well, or what's your view? Let me tell you, my philosophy is okay. It's real simple. I do not talk down about world services. Okay. In my mind, what I do, that don't exist in my mind, okay? I'm not in competition with them. Our groups are not in competition with them. Our sole purpose is to go back to original NA, carry the message, okay, unadulterate it to the addict still suffers and get that message to them. We're not in competition in any form, all right? Uh, I think the basic text, I don't care how they changed it, okay? All right? They didn't change the core philosophy. You can still find the philosophy. In the sixth edition, the first book in there is still the fifth edition, which comes from 1989, okay? So that philosophy, yes, things feel are important, okay? Uh, like the fourth and ninth tradition, some of our things we, that were changed in the fourth edition actually altered our philosophy a little bit, but you still got the core principles there. So it's not going to harm anyone. The sixth edition uh, first book will not harm an addict, okay? All right? They can find recovery there. I do not talk bad about that type of stuff. Uh, I think it, it doesn't serve us well to do that in the fellowship. It causes division when we do that. And if they talk bad about what we're doing, it causes the same division. I don't believe it's a healthy philosophy to get in that type of competition. However, huh? Is it, however, I feel there's a but. There is a however with me all the time because I like to go back to the philosophy of open participation. When I wear this hat, it's about the open participation that we lost. I believe literature can still be written. You can go onto our webpage, nahelp.org, and you can see the literature being written yet by addicts for addicts, and you can find the core of it carries, I believe, uh, a philosophy of recovery of total absence of many mood changing substances, minor chemical, which is the core of our fellowship. Yeah. So, and so that's, that's what I believe we're losing. That's a really interesting point I think you've just made there. So I think um, obviously it was a much smaller uh, operation. Everyone knew each other back back when we we're talking about the late 70s. Um, have addicts been maybe, and I'm not apportioning blame here, um, I've kind of personally felt it was some of the service structure, but have addicts or groups been disempowered and you just talked about writing literature, li right. literature creating new literature, um, coming from addicts who are active, newcomers even, people who, you know, the, it, who are actively engaged on a daily basis in the home group. Um, is, has there been a disempowering of members? Right. What you're talking about, when, when, when I'm listening to you share there, and you're talking about the exact philosophy that I talk about, when I say the, the membership of Narcotics Anonymous is being disassociated with the ability to write literature by addicts for addicts. There are also, when, when the service body was created by Greg Pierce, 
if you read what he was talking about, you should keep your services as close as possible to the membership, to the group. And when you create this monstrosity where you got a governing type hierarchy, okay, it removes that. It disassociates with the addict and the addicts are not receiving what we received early on in recovery. And I think Zoom has opened that up again where the fellowship can get creative again. They can find other historical facts out. They can learn about their fellowship that's not been written even. Well, that's interesting. So maybe the new generation of recovering addicts could be inspired by what happened back in the 80s or the early 80s, the late 70s, and what guys like Bo and Greg and Jimmy were doing to, to, to create something, you know, equally incredible. Maybe the basic text, maybe the, the original form can never be equal, but could you imagine almost if 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 the new membership was empowered. Oh, you see that shirt I'm wearing today? Yeah. Living it's from in, Africa, okay? Yeah. I, that's from Tanzir. I was just on an attic with them yesterday, okay? They're looking for exactly what you're talking about, okay? okay. They want help. And uh, I talked to him through WhatsApp yesterday. See, I'm learning new technologies, even though I got a flip phone, okay? All right? That's that's from before the basic text, I think. <laughs> but I, I talk with you on that flip phone through WhatsApp, okay? Brilliant. All right? Uh, which I didn't have that technology when I got clean. Yeah. I had a phone on the wall, okay, back then, okay? All right? Which most people don't know about phones on the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you got a big long... Okay. Wow. I get on this, all right? You're analog. I, yeah, I keep my phone, okay? That phone I talked with, with Jimmy Kinnon on, okay? Seriously, that's all the right? actual, Is that the actual phone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's my life. That was my life on there, that phone, okay? To the world. That I talked to everyone through that phone throughout the world, okay? I feel so. Yeah, I, I talked with Johnny, who started uh, NA in London through that phone. Oh yeah, uh, crowbar. Crow, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I think that's. I think that's. So to get current for a second, what are you seeing in the fellowship today that um, excites you, Bill? You know, and uh, I mean, we've talked about Africa there. I think you're closely involved in uh, right. Iran. Iran. I'm. I'm it, 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 I am very hurt by what's going on right now in Iran because of world service and their interventions and trying to cause disruptions there and not allow the fellowship itself to take control of itself. Mm -hmm. They've undermining it, okay? Uh, I am excited about what's going on there, yes, because I spent two year, over two years there now uh, talking with people in Iran. And uh, it's a great... It, it's that, that that energy, that energy of seeking knowledge is there. They want knowledge. It's like they said when they first got on with me, where have you been? I said, I've been in NA. <laughs> it's just like, I've been here. Yeah, but no one ever told us about you. So uh, they, they found me through that their history conference that uh, Jason did in California a little over two years ago, okay? 
and I shared on the on the basic text there and history about the basic text. I went through history. Beetle was there. Uh, Bo shared there. A couple other people shared there. Okay, early members of Narcotics Anonymous, and that opened up the door. There was over a thousand members that day, and it opened up the door, and people start seeking me out and start calling me. I've been to Moscow, Russia. Uh, I see the hope over there. I'm, I see desperation of addicts wanting wanting the old NA. They want that their hardcore philosophy. They're wanting to be involved. They want to be able to do their, like, I don't know if you've been to the Netherlands at all lately, but in Eastern Netherlands and Southern Netherlands, it's expanding into Amsterdam now. It's in Rotterdam now. They're doing PI work again. Groups are doing PI again. And they, they actually created PI bikes. They put posters with their webpage, nahelp.nl on it, and they move this bike around. And newcomers are moving the bike, and they're getting excited again. The excitement, and that's what I'm, I'm really seeing, the excitement around the world for raw, unadulterated NA and carrying our message again. It's, it's funny, I mean, just personally, I, I find the groups I'm involved in are very keen on public information or public relations, it's called, and that's my background. So um, right. we, we kind of felt that we, were, that, 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 that we were being kind of discouraged or disempowered or blocked uh, by local service committees or the, or the, the, the areas. Uh, subcommittees. So we, we started to do ourselves, we started to fundraise ourselves, we started to do big PI projects on bus stops, buses, um, phone boxes, you know, vinyl coverings over over the whole over the whole thing. And it's really invigorated the groups that I'm part of because it felt like we were empowering ourselves by doing that. And 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 there was a there was a criticism because it was like, well, you it's distracting you from your primary purpose. And I said, Look, don't worry about us. We're fulfilling our primary purpose. <laughs> just, just fine in the meetings, Bill. I mean, we on since I'm part of East Coast Scotland area, we have maybe right. sort of now 10, 13 online meetings through the week. And we, we were checking the figures for 2021, and we had 100,000 visitors to, to Aberdeen in Scotland, where I'm from, to, on our Zoom platform to meetings. And that is really exciting. Yeah, that's real exciting. And and what you just mentioned, the empowerment. And I do the world and talk with people. And they, I tell them, they got to stop looking for others to do the service. They got to start doing it. And PI is the greatest aspect. It's how we started our group off the ground. The first thing we had to do was get a phone line, okay? Yeah. All right. This was the first phone line in Allentown, Pennsylvania, right here, okay? This I'm was our first phone, phone I'm loving the props. I'm lo I feel <laughs> humble. Yeah, well, that was, the first, that was our first phone line. It went to my house, okay? Yeah. I answered the phone, Narcotics Anonymous. It didn't matter if it was my mother-in-law. They heard Narcotics Anonymous, okay? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what, Bill? I'm. I, th I think. Um. I'm feeling like a back to basics theme. I'm feeling like the whole world right now, whether it's politics, whether it's the restaurants, whether it's from multinational companies, people are screaming for authenticity. You know, they're right. screaming for integrity. 
that the, the, there is, seems to be a back to basics movement across across everything, and maybe that's what we're we're what's what members are seeking in any. Well, see what the pandemic did it shut us down, okay? And it's like I shared being the the MC for the the, the weekend thing that we just did yeah. with all these old time speakers, okay? Yeah. Uh, what it did it shut us down basically. Addicts found a way to rise above that and create other platforms and find the technology that's available to us to communicate. We have a desire to communicate. We have that desire. We, our spirit wants that. Our spirit wants to talk to one another. All right. And that's why when I saw that thing with Vito, you did, I wanted to communicate with you and I got a hold of Vito. All right. Because I said, uh, this man is doing something that I'd like to be involved with. And I believe he has the, the platform to grow NA in the long run and get the message out there that we don't have, okay? We need different platforms. And as addicts, we can establish that there. We really don't need a service office, folks. People don't understand that. Addicts can do these things and we are creative. We have the experience. Why are we using that, uh, killing that vast bank of the ground level effects that can change the world? It's a great resource, an untapped resource or an underused resource. Right. And that's what we talk about. What are the resources we can get? How can we mature with them? How can we get this out to save addicts around the world? Because that should be our primary purpose through PI. We're doing that when you're getting your posters out. You're getting them on the buses. You're getting them at the bus stops. When you're doing that, you're getting addicts to call. You're getting them, and you can do the 12-step work again. You're not relying on the rehabilitation world to do it. Users are doing it. Yeah, do you know what? I'm feeling a, a, a parallel here between what we're talking about in our program. You know, you, one of my, I, I can't think off the top of my head where it comes from, but, the, you know, the, the dynamic forces of change, which, which bring about a deep conversion within us, um, which gives us the answer and uh, and and can alter our our motivations and our lives. I feel like, you know, this is the stuff we are learning through the twelve steps, through the twelve traditions, through our literature, through this amazing life saving program. And it feels like there's a parallel to how we could take what we learn there and apply it to further carrying the message. Right. Well, that's what it does. It it see. I, it's like when I used to be at World Service, I spent years there, okay? And every time they made these changes, I talked about what they're doing is killing the spirit of NA. Every time you're taking the services further away from the group, you're killing the spirit. Why would you want to kill your vast bank of service workers? I mean, it's a vast bank. It's a talent. And we have so much creativity within our fellowship. Why do we want to stifle them? And that's what we're getting back to. How can we revive that? That's what you're doing right now by what you're getting this platform out. It's going to give a revival in Narcotics Anonymous, and we're going to be able to grow exponentially again. It's, it's just something's come into my head there. When I was asking Vito when we were talking about the different editions, and I said, so what's the definitive one? What is the one? He said, obviously, when I'm sharing in a meeting, I'll use the sixth, and we'll talk about that. But he said the second edition 
Uh, you, pr you probably heard that in the interview that it was his, yeah. his go-to. Well, I used the third edition revised with the original fourth and ninth tradition, okay? Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason for that, okay? First of all, the second edition is not the approval form. I want that that there taken away. It's not the approval form. World Service already changed that in the first edition. Uh, and uh, if you if you look at the results of the court case, okay, you'll see that in there when they had to send out and which they didn't do, but they 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 had the files. They never sent them to the groups, but I have all the files. And in there, they have the person edition changes. You realize the first edition was not the approval form. So that means the second edition, the only thing they changed and returned to us was the fourth and ninth tradition. They did not return the approval form, what we approved to us. I see. That's the difference. I see. Okay, so this the second edition, which was approved, and then, sorry, the first edition, yeah, which was was changed when the third edition came out. They returned the fourth and ninth traditions, but there was what still aspects from the draft that weren't weren't the same in the right. In the yes, they were. They were part of the approval form that were not in the first edition, so they meant they were not in the second, the third, or the third revised. Mm. They were never restored. The only thing restored was the fourth and ninth tradition, because at that point of time. And it goes through how they fired Jimmy and the whole works, okay? Because Jimmy got blamed for changing the book. Yeah. And I and I and I said this past weekend on Saturday, Jimmy did not change the book. I want that lie to die. Mm -hmm. Jimmy did not change the book. Who changed the book was the Board of Trustees, who was under Chuck Skinner. Mm -hmm. Chuck Skinner took because Jimmy would not change it to they had to go to the board. And you have to realize before we started writing the book, how did NAI trustees making all decisions for the fellowship? And then they created the conference and then it was just Northern and Southern California. So they did not create that atmosphere of how the areas and the regions and through the regions would control the conference. That didn't happen yet. That's a philosophy that was coming in to bear through Greg's writings. Greg started writing about the empowerment of home groups instead, regional services, and that was supposed to be your voting body at the conference. So when we got there, we were outnumbered by the board of trustees, the committee chairs, and the board of directors, okay? The fellowship was outnumbered. Yeah, there was something that jumped out at me in the grave form around the traditions, which I think some of the controversy was around, which was any as such. What is it? We hear right. all the time, what is any as such? It's the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. And I think right. there was a line in the original which said anything outside of that, any service structure, any right. subcommittee, is not, NA. Is not NA. And right. that, that really speaks to me. Right. Well, it does. That's the original fourth and ninth tradition we're talking about, okay? Where it talks about that is not NA, it's of us. It's for us, okay? But it's not us. Yeah. So so this is maybe a good chance because we've, we've maybe got sort of 10, 15 minutes left. Right. This is, 
you, so there's a lot of people when we're getting to the third and the third revise it seems like a good time to, to for you to explain what the baby blue is or okay was, or, yeah, what is. the what the baby blue is okay they, and that world service gave that name we didn't give it to ourselves it's just the color of the book okay okay all right in, in england it's the red one okay uh uh okay that they use there germany is red okay so but uh world service gave the name the baby blue to attack us basically but what it is is the third edition revised with the original fourth and ninth tradition restored to it it is the little white book changes that the board of trustees did and the fellowship approved it the whole fellowship approved it and that's why we go with the third edition revised because it was approved by the fellowship we cannot negate negotiate it we believe in group conscience that was group conscience so so is this is the third edition revised basically the the gray form no, it's uh, it's basically what it is. It's the basic text. It's the second edition with the with the little white book changes inserted into it. Okay. Okay. They were the headers that the trustees did. Okay. We'll. Uh, I'll have to find one on eBay, or you'll have to send me one or something, so I can. Uh... Well, I can make sure you get one. Okay. Yeah. All right. So... I can. I can attach a file of it to you okay I, th I think what's more important uh than that not not to say that's not important but what what might appeal to people on a human interest level is is you know you told me that you i think people have will have heard of grateful dave and big lou and i think you three were like the three musketeers in terms of creator did you create this uh, it was actually created in Okay, my house had forty attics in this in this house here. Okay, it was created in your house. Yes, Grateful Dave and myself and another guy named Gene Richards went to my basement. I took thir two third edition revises, brand new ones that I had. We took them apart. We put them on pasteboards. Okay, and we took it to Sir Speedy's printing shop. And he ran the book off for us. And we called it the plain pink wrap wrapper at first, okay? Okay. And we put a we, we put a pink cover over the actual book, and inside was the cover of the third edition revised. So you you gave it the name the third. What did you give it? What name did you give it? Third edition revised, basic text, and then we 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 changed it to the third edition revised with the original fourth and ninth tradition. And then we put free on the bottom, and that was done. People think it's the free literature movement. We don't talk about a free literature movement. We talk about a spiritual movement. We talk about someone got to pay for it. Let's get away with that word. Who's paying for it? The home groups. The home groups, but they should not have to pay above cost for the bulk and shipping. Sure. So, so this this wasn't a free literature movement. This was more. No. This wasn't an argument about uh, world service making money off of literature. This was about content. No. This was about the content. This, this is about content yeah. and the world service conference not listening to the fellowship, not allowing group conscience to be heard on the conference floor, and they were constantly using our 
our book as a political football to change it. And they were changing it. The fourth edition was funded by, was basically, I say, literally funded by Hazleton. And how? Hazleton put the money up for a large order of the fourth edition. So World Service had the money to be able to print this book without even going back to the fellowship. And they put the fourth edition out. And that was, this was our, uh, and we had enough. And then the World Service Conference in 1988 changed our book again, okay? And they created a fifth edition on the conference floor without having the fellowship participate. They did this as a, as the, the, the large groundswell of the fellowship saying, no, this fourth edition is not our book. We're okay. not going to allow Hamilton to fund something. It was professionally edited without us ever seeing the work. And anybody that participated in the basic text was appalled by this behavior. And this why is how we created the book, because of that, because they never contacted us. They didn't communicate with us. They did what they wanted to do. So I've, I've heard it called the fourth edition. I think it's been called the nasal bin kind of book by some people. So it was around this time that you created the third edition revised. Right. 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 Okay. It, it yeah. happened in my fate. We were going through the fourth edition line by line here with yeah. the third edition revised to see what they changed. And we called it out to the fellowship. It cost me over $2,000 that month on the telephone. I had another phone like that in the basement. Dave was on that one. I was on this one. We, our ears were bleeding from all the calls we made. We woke up the fellowship and said, here's what they've done to us. We send the packets around the world to let people know what we found and we expose it to the world. The World Service Office and the conference officials were in Bob Stone's book where he talked, Bob Stone's book had a timeline and, it, and, and he said they would have caught it themselves, but it's who brought it out was the problem. Who brought it out was Grateful David and me. Right, yeah. What do you think it was about you and Grateful Dave, who's, who, you know, I've had the pleasure of listening to the recordings of the share and, uh, and, uh, what, and, and Lou, and what about, was it you guys that, that really kind of got behind this? You know, it, it was you guys that did it, not, not anyone else. Right, it was us because of group conscience. We... Uh, believed in the fellowship. We believed in Greg's writings, okay? If you read Greg's writings, okay, they're very inspiring. And, and the writings that are not out there, his works that World Service threw in the garbage can, okay, is unbelievable. We wouldn't have concept if they, if they accepted the precepts, the 12 precepts that Greg wrote. You have to read Greg's writing and they take everything back to group conscience. They take everything back to empowerment home groups. This was the fight of the 80s for the groups to take control of its service body. So this is really interesting. On the Greg, because I love the idea of, of Greg's writings, is there, you know, if anyone was watching this and they, 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 they were wanting to get some of this stuff, I mean, I've got some materials, but I believe you've got a bit of a treasure chest. Is there anything we should be looking for from Greg? Well, there's, I I can, uh, I can uh, uh, basically... Uh, if I have your email, I can send you a lot of files that you I can make them available for you, okay? That would be amazing. And but then, I need your email to do that. You have to text me your email, and yeah. I will make sure you get all the files of Greg's writings. 
I think I think what we might do at this point then is what I'm going to do, Bill, is I'm going to um, no, hang on, just in the intro. Yeah, yeah. I think I could stick my email up here now, so you can. Well, well, I'll WhatsApp it to you, Bill. But this is for anyone else. Okay, great. This is for anyone else who wants to contact, who's watching this video, who wants to contact me via email. And I can share with you what what Bill has so kindly uh, offered to share. Uh, let's, so, so now, if we hold, there is my email address now at the bottom uh, of my. Okay, I see it there. You but you'll it. you'll get it to me anyway. I'll so. send it to you anyway. So, right. so that's really and yeah. So so some of the stuff that's maybe um, that's maybe that that's not readily available. Um, can we talk to that a little bit more? What, what, what? Yeah, well, there, there's so much, okay? Like Greg wrote, like in the Great Book alone, the, the, the traditions in there written by Greg. Mm -hmm. And I believe if people study them traditions, okay, itself is going to get them to take another look at what narcotics anomalous and what our beliefs are through the traditions, okay? Uh, it, he wrote the uh, material on the tradition. He has a tradition guide out there that he wrote. Okay, he wrote another thing with the with the twelve precepts in it. Okay, which I have, mm -hmm. and that has the steps, the traditions, the precepts. Okay, and it's a, a very good guide. He helped me with the step guide we use. Okay, which people can find on nahelp.org. That's actually passed down from the way uh, it came from Joseph and, and and Greg through Jimmy on how to work the steps with. And, and my sponsees put it together then on as I interpreted to them on how they took me through the steps. And it takes you back to like Pepe talks about where he's talking about his first step and then through his steps through ego, letting go of ego, okay? Letting go of yourself basically, okay? Surrendering that. And uh, this step guide actually takes you back and takes a look at how you react to things. What were the circumstances that led up to it? How you reacted, okay? And help change you internally. It changes you internally is how when you work steps, you should change with inside, all right? And, and that they helped me get through and they showed me how to do that, okay? It's a philosophy that's lost in NA today, all right? Uh, because this is a journey. The steps are a journey, and the way they guided me through the steps was a journey. Uh, Vito uses the old step working sheets, okay, that's not out there, which I have, okay? I have all this material that's available, and I, I'm going to make it available to you so you have access to it all. Yeah, and I'll just put the, the email address again there. So this, this is... There. This, this is what I like about what you're um, what you're saying. So I think the I think the move away from hierarchy, right? So any for me shouldn't be a hierarchy. Right. And that's what Greg explains in the traditions, okay? His writings. We yeah. should never have a hierarchy. Never. Yeah. And that's what we have today somehow somehow it's happened and and then again it's back to this word of disempowering the newcomer because somehow when the newcomer comes in 
they feel that you know we worship clean time or we worship right. the speaker of the year or we worship the guy who's chair of region or, right. or you know and yeah and and i think that's maybe where it's got lost a little bit it's, right well that's what we're losing you hit it on the button there that's what we're losing right there yeah it's like i don't look at myself any different okay I don't introduce myself with all the titles I had at one time, okay, in NA, and I had many of them, all right? Uh, I'm a newcomer in my spirit, and I don't separate myself from the newcomers. They're just like me. I've just been here a little bit longer, that's all. I got a little bit more experience, so I'm going to share that with them that experience, how they can find recovery, and what's the tools they're going to have to use and make it available, and they got to make a choice if they're going to accept it or not. Well, I've got this theory. So the the ultimate weapon being the other recovering addict, right? right. But I've mm -hmm. got a theory, Bill. I don't know if you would subscribe, which is that the the ultimate weapon for me is the newcomer who has been who has been weaponized by our literature. Who is studying in my home group? We we have a line by line, line numbered. We study right. line numbered text, right? So we chop it up, we break it down, and it allows us to, you know, be laser right. focused on each word and each sentence. And I find that newcomers who have embraced that after a very short time, it's in, they're, they're so they so grow, powerful. they yeah. grow phenomenally, they yeah. grow. Yeah. I can tell you at a year clean. I got thrown out of halfway ho way home on a one-way street. And they, they pulled me up and said I wasn't going to meetings. And I said, well, I'm going to more meetings than anyone in this house, right? And uh, I used to have a guy named George that used to pick me up in a Cadillac and take me to two, three meetings a day. Hmm. And we went to NA meetings. Well, they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I go to Narcotics Anonymous. And they said, I said, you didn't put, I had to go to AA. You put in there, I had to go to 12 step meetings. Yeah. So that's where I went. Then they threw, they said, then they caught a loophole and said, they sent me to this here uh, treatment facility because of my anger issues. All right. And, uh, and in there, they put me in, and I'm not against anyone's sexuality or anything, but they put me in this class with nothing but homosexual males. Okay. And I'm listening to this stuff and I got no problem. Um, I didn't, it's nothing that I never heard. Uh, but then one of this uh, guys shared that he had uh, his his uh, boyfriend, significant other was was chaining him to the wall and doing, you know, obscene things to him. And I looked at him and said, why don't you get up and punch him in the mouth? He's right there. All right. And then the counselor jumped up and screamed at me that I was homophobic. So I grabbed him by the throat. I put him out the second window and I hit him like 10 times. I said, I'm not afraid of no man. I don't care what your sexuality is. I don't fear you. And, I, and he was a bloody mess. He calls up the, the halfway home and the head counselor gets on and says, well, don't worry. We're going to send him to a psychiatrist. This, this is the key how they got me out. The psychiatrist said I needed heavy medication that I would never be right without it. That I had this extreme physical violence need to act out. And uh, uh, you gotta remember where I came from. I came from a physically violent world. I didn't work through this in the steps yet. 
at a year clean, I was like uh, insane. Yeah. So I walk into the meeting the next day. I got thrown out because I wouldn't take meds. That's how I got thrown out of the halfway home. Okay. I would not follow the doctor's direction. I went to the meeting and, and guess what? I told them, I, I shared the meeting just what happened. I had to move into a garage. I had no house to live in. So I rented a garage to live in. And uh, it, it was it was comical. And I went there and you know what came out of the mouth of the newcomer? But Bill, the second step says we can be restored from insanity. He said, so they were right, you are insane. But here we got hope. So when you're talking about the newcomer, it takes me back to that story without that newcomer there to get me focused to realize there's hope for that insanity. And you I can be restored. Yeah. That and that's it, isn't it? And that that that's uh, that's any right there thank you for sharing that that's uh, sort i think we're coming to kind of the end of our, our time maybe um we can pick this up i feel like we could do another hour quite easily so what we we, oh, we, we could do we could do two three hours without a problem okay but what we'll do is we'll we'll take it offline and we'll arrange it maybe just finally to end bill just on this uh, i can't take my eyes off your hat and i just i just wondered <laughs> what what do, what do we what in your opinion what do we need what would be your three point plan for uh, what would be your manifesto for making the fellowship an already great fellowship great right. oh i'm not saying the fellowship isn't great i wanted to have that spirituality back restored in it i want that excitement restored i want the addict being able to participate in service, no matter what clean time they have, like we wrote in the basic, in the gray book, when it talks about that a person with, with one day clean can do service, they can welcome the newcomer into the fellowship. Yeah, yeah. They have something to offer. We should not exclude sure. that. Yeah. And what we've been doing, we've been creating these here, and it's a different type of service. We created the fellowship service conference that meets every June. We created the European Fellowship Service Conference. Okay, you can get that flyer off our webpage, nahelp.org, okay? And uh, anyone can attend, okay? And there you're going to see a sharing of service at that conference yeah. in the EFC. It's going to be talking about a lot of the things that you're talking about with your PI work, okay? We got a whole workshop set up on just PI how groups report on what they're doing and you should see the excitement that happens from that yeah, yeah we're setting a connection up throughout the world to support people where they can't afford literature we're, we're getting donations put together to make sure we can send literature to them okay that they can get off the ground just like jimmy did for us we are doing that today yeah. and we're doing it through the fellowship service conference and the efc which is, you can get on there, www.nahelp.org, or Netherlands is www.nahelp.nl. In Sweden, they have the same thing, but the end is SL, okay? In Russia, it ends in RU. We got, we got uh, our web pages all interconnected, okay, today. And we're doing that to carry our message. We want our message out there, unadulterated, and that addicts had the freedom of choice again, that groups got the freedom of choice. 
do you know what? Do you know what's really ironic? You know, having talked to you, and and I, I feel quite emotional talking to you, Bill. I just really want to thank you for your service and everything that you've you've done. I feel really fortunate to have connected with you in such a meaningful way, and hopefully we'll, we'll grow a relationship and do other things together. But what what's my key takeaway from this is that where um, people like yourself might be demonized or put in a box as a traditionalist it feels to me that you have a really refreshing modernist approach more than I've, I've ever heard talking to anyone so 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 if anyone's listening to this I'm sure that they'll, they'll get similar takeaway you you feel like you're the one at the cutting edge here you're the one pushing the envelope you're not stuck in the past Right. I'm not stuck. There is no reason. I think people need to know our past. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They have to know what happened. They need to know the truth about it. However, we need to move forward. We can't be stuck in the mud. Okay. We can't be holding resentment. I don't resent anyone. Okay. I believe we're addicts and we're just trying to carry this message the best way we knew how and things have happened, but why hold resentments? Resentments will destroy me. I don't have time for that. I only have time to help and, and help other addicts find recovery and how they can get better vehicles to create vehicles and connect them vehicles together so we can work together in unity again through the groups. Beautiful, Bill. Well, I'm excited, okay? You are very excited. I'm excited. We should all be excited to be part of this incredible fellowship. I'm going to pause it there, Bill. Thank you so much. Great. Um, and I'm looking forward to our next session, okay? I'll be calling you straight after this or a bit later on to arrange. Okay. All right, brother. Praise God. And have a great meeting, okay? Thank you, Bill. Great talking to you. All right. Love you. Well, lots of love. Yep. Bye-bye.